Welcome to this week's edition of the Better Rivals Podcast. My name is Oscar Aparicio, and this week we have almost real football to talk about this week. We're going to review the preseason game and get one final scheme month shot play in. And with me this week, drowning in an abundance of coffee beans, it's David Newman. This is accurate. Um, we hit an overload, a bit of an overload recently. A lot of bags coming in from a lot of different places. You're going to have to specify because I was about to make six teabag jokes. <laughs> yeah, just like ended up. I mean, I mean, so for quite a while, there's like a, a roaster that's in in Austin here that I had like um, mostly I just had like a recurring subscription on and probably had been doing that for like the last, I don't know, a year maybe or so. And I was like, I need to I'm, I need to switch it up a little bit. And so like simultaneously started like two different coffee subscriptions and uh got a lot of bags coming in well that was ultimately my gain because we got to hang out this weekend premier league is back we got to see chelsea dunk on crystal palace together uh my daughter was wearing the wonderful chelsea jersey that david bought her for her birthday Uh, it was very big and very adorable and we he was like here have this bag of coffee and i was like sure this is gonna be great uh, it's good. It's a little Ethiopian blend. Uh, or No, it's not a blend. It's a single yep. single origin. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's tasty. I had it uh, definitely taste the lemon rind on that on that bitch. It's nice. Yummy. It's tasty. Uh, yeah, but we also got to drink some really good whiskey this weekend, which I was super excited about. Yes. Um, we live... Uh, if anyone watches the Whiskey Tribe on YouTube or uh, subscribe to their Patreon, which I subscribe to their Patreon because it's awesome and Patreon is good. Support people who do good stuff. Thank you to those of you who support us. Wink, wink. Uh yeah, wink, wink. Uh, they, they have their tasting room uh, just like a few minutes away uh, from uh, from David's house, actually. So we went and had really, really good weeded bourbon, like super weeded bourbon, like over 40% yeah. wheat, which I was very surprised by. Um, but yeah, it was, it, was, it was a good mellow weekend. Posted some clips uh, to the Patreon of us prepping for the show, prepping for this week, uh, and getting ready to talk about Trey Lance in the preseason, throwing footballs. Uh, and so we are going to talk about the preseason game and we're going to do it through a lens that I like to call my fall plans and the Delta variant. Basically, we're going to take a look at who broke the shackles of their priors because we broke down these rookies and some of these newcomers, uh, in some cases, uh, pre like in the preseason post draft. And, and you could say they all had some fall plans or at least we had some fall plans for them. Uh, and in this preseason game, did they show us something different? Did they vary? from our priors get it fall plans delta variant i get it i mean look you don't have to tell me you love a great meme all right and, and this. <laughs> Dude, this meme is hilarious the the best one i saw i think was some steven ruiz on twitter and he posted jimmy garoppolo missing a play that we're going to talk about here in a, in a minute leak and and just you can see him on the all 22 shanahan throw up his hands in disgust because jimmy garoppolo misses the throw <laughs> And the tweet immediately below that is the screen grab of the leak play in the playbook. And it says my fall planes and then a picture of Jimmy Garoppolo and it says the Delta variant. It's yeah, it was, it's, it's uh, something, but it hurts. But we're going to talk but about, it does, it hurts, but you know, it's fine. We'll get over it. Why? Because Trey Lance is here. We'll talk about Trey Lance's fall planes. What did we have him pegged at in the preseason? What were his fall plans? He was a young player with upside who had some accuracy issues. Looking at this game, David, did Trey Lance show you anything other than your priors? Or is he kind of exactly where we thought he would be given the fact that he hasn't played a game in like 500 plus days? <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's it's more the latter there. I think um, it, it was a bit of a roller coaster. And I think, um, you know, uh, the, the talk I think surrounding Lance after that game has been largely positive. I think there's good reason for that. But um, there, yeah, definitely some things that, that stuck out that weren't as, is great too. So, I mean, I think it was just, you had some, some very high highs. I mean, obviously the ADR touchdown pass, um, kind of chief among those. And, and that was a, a, an excellent play that we're going to talk about later, but yeah, I, I think you had some good throws in there. And then you also had a stretch, you know, at the end of the, the first half there where he had three turnover worthy plays in a span of about, I don't know, like five minutes or something like that. I mean, he had uh, basically two passes that he threw right to a defender, hit defenders in the hands, and then he had the fumble that he managed to fall on. And so he was he was fortunate in a sense of none of those actually ended up as turnovers. And, and I think, you know, if, if one of those gets picked off or if he loses that fumble, maybe we're having a little bit of a different conversation around him. But, but I think, yeah, that's kind of 
what I expected from a rookie quarterback coming in who needed some polish, right? There there were definitely some things that he needed to clean up. There there were a couple of things that I really, really liked about what he put on tape. I think his his throw that was dropped by by Ayuk early on in his snaps was really good because it showed his yep. his ability to create on second chance plays. He just, you know, he, he had to double clutch the ball. By the time he was going to hit his primary read, really, he really it was Sherfield who was running a read route and just probably ran it too long. I think it looked like it should have been a 15 yard read route. And my man Sherfield was trying to go for 20 before he turned around. Now, all of a sudden, Trey Lance is like, I'm going to throw it to you, but you're not turned around. And, and then he's got to come off that. He comes off of it, scrambles a little bit and throws a perfect pass, hits Ayuk right in the hands, Ayuk drops it. That's the kind of stuff that you know you, you got from Jimmy Garoppolo 2017, but you don't get from Jimmy Garoppolo nowadays. And that's the kind of second chance stuff that I think you're thinking to yourself, yeah, if, if you're going to have someone like Trey Lance in there, that's the kind of added boost you're going to get if someone messes up a route like Sherfield did on that play or something doesn't go as planned, what happens next? And he was able to do that. And then you look at a couple other really good throws. His throw to Charlie Warner was one of the best throws. I mean, he had an underneath open player. I think Jawan Jennings was open underneath. But he decides to go uh, a little bit deeper to Charlie Warner. Another ball to, uh, to Richie James that was dropped. Fantastic throw. And perhaps one of his best throws, which was really, really uh, kind of innocuous seemingly. But it's just an out route from the opposite hash to the sideline, attacking the outside edges of the defense I mean, that's exactly why you draft Trey Lance. That's exactly why you say, yeah, he brings a little something extra that you just aren't getting consistently from Jimmy Garoppolo. And so I think you're right. It was a roller coaster. But if you're talking about the peak of the roller coaster, that was kind of it. And it was fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you see the reasons, um, you know, obviously he didn't get a chance and we don't expect him to get a chance to really show off much of the run game stuff in the preseason. Just makes sense that they're going to save that stuff for, when the games really count, but, but in terms of a passer, yeah, I mean, you see a lot of the plays that, um, that make you excited about him and, and why the 49ers certainly were excited about him. I mean, I think the, the Richie James third down throw, you know, the deep outcut at the sticks was that, that, that was ultimately dropped was probably one of my favorite throws uh, of the game. And and so, yeah, he had, you see some of the, the arm strength, there was even, you know, an, another play that you saw, there was a, a, another one of the drops. And I mean, he was certainly unlucky, um, from that standpoint, having a number of passes dropped that that were on target, and and one of those you kind of looked from a process standpoint, and it and it wasn't great. I don't know that I loved the decision. It was it was kind of one where he's rolling out to his left, he gets that that pressure that's kind of in his face that forces him to step up, and he ends up kind of throwing a shorter kind of outbreaking, you know, a, a receiver that that's kind of settling more to the outside. And the defender is close enough to where if like that's a defender who's not going to be selling insurance in like a month, then then maybe he's able to make a better jump on this. Um, but you also see like the the arm strength throwing on the move without his feet planted and he's able to get it there. He's able to beat the defender. Um, and so there there are things like that, that even when um, kind of the process leading up to it, right, isn't necessarily great and, and isn't what you would like to see in an ideal world, like he has the arm to kind of make up for some of that stuff, right? And and to kind of uh, compensate for deficiencies leading up to that moment. Now let's take a look at his turnover-worthy plays, the plays that could have been turnovers but weren't because the fumble was recovered by the Niners and the two interceptions or near interceptions were just dropped by the defenders. Uh, let's talk about the interceptions for a second because this is just why I think ultimately you want Lance to get more snaps and why if I were the head coach, even though I know that Lance probably isn't the better seer of the field right now when you compare him to Jimmy Garoppolo, you need him to get this experience because this is how he learns. And really, it was in the first near INT. It was really a too-deep zone pressure that the Chiefs brought against Lance. And I mean, I'm not, a, I'm not thinking that Lance is seeing a lot of too-deep zone pressures when he's facing FCS schools and they're worried about him running all over them. And, and so ultimately, what you've got is a neat little disguise really good defensive execution where all the keys are telling him that he's got a whole shot on the right sideline, but it turns out that the defender is, is really able to read the quarterback sink and get hands on ball. And you know, that this is just part of what being a rookie is. You're not used to seeing these things. This is why this experience is valuable. 
And and I think it's a good thing, ultimately, that it happened in the preseason and that he got to see it. He's going to learn from it. He's going to be able to see this, log it in his brain and say, okay, now I know if I see these things in the future, you know, I can adjust and account for them because that's ultimately what's going to make Trey Lance succeed. He's not right now, I think, a better all-around quarterback from processing and seeing the field than Jimmy Garoppolo, but he's going to need this experience in order to get better. So it's good that he's getting it. Yeah, absolutely. And you don't even expect to see a lot of those type of coverages in the preseason. I mean, it's honestly kind of nice. You, you look it at the other end. It was fairly like, complex, right? Like, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you look at the other side of the ball, and I mean, the 49ers were were pretty vanilla and, and kind of stuck and, and just kind of mostly, you know, one and three the whole game. And so, yeah, to see something like that where they're, they're getting into – uh, you know, a little bit more exotic type pressure and, um, and and giving him those kind of looks that he's absolutely going to see come the regular season, right? Uh, I, I think is is good for him. And hopefully he kind of continues to get some of those looks throughout the preseason. I don't know that he's going to always be be so lucky. But yeah, I, I think, you know, you'd like to see him, you know, hit that disguise there. And then even in the other one, um, you know, I think the timing, this was something, you know, uh, that, that I think popped up on other plays and, and they weren't, it wasn't, uh, I guess as, as problematic in the other plays because he didn't have a defender that was right there ready to take advantage. But essentially in, in the other turnover worthy play that he had where, where he had a dropped interception, um, is he's looking to hit kind of a route over the middle of the field to Juwan Jennings and, he's just kind of late getting there right so he it's a it's a throw that he needs to make where the ball needs to be out of his hands kind of before Jennings is turning around and facing him right and and he waits that extra second um until you really see Jennings kind of showing his his numbers back to the quarterback and that gives the defender time to kind of break on it and undercut the route and get there whereas if he's throwing that with good timing uh, that defender probably doesn't have a chance to get there, right? And so, and there were some other plays, you know, that that he had um, that were kind of shorter throws where the the timing just looked off, and and he would he does this thing that uh, is is kind of annoying that I that I hope that he can fi- figure out a way to work through uh, something that he showed in college as well. But he kind of takes this extra hitch sometimes that he doesn't need to. Um, there there was a, a play where he ultimately gets sacked. Um, and, and he has kind of this quick slant route that he needs to be hitting right off the top oh, it's, of his it's drop. Ag, it's Aggie now. That's like, that's the concept is where you have the two kind of receivers that run and then the guy runs right underneath it. Yeah. The now, I don't remember what the, the other guys were doing exactly and whether that was the, the Aggie part of it, but, but basically, yeah, they're what they call a now route is like a one step slant essentially. So it's just kind of like immediately getting underneath these guys and it's the outside receiver, coming underneath you know the, the the slot receivers that they have there and it's a throw that yes he's getting pressure and, and the offensive line isn't great there but if he hits the last step in his drop and makes that throw it the pressure is never doesn't have time to get there right and and the throw is open the receiver is open uh to be able to make it and he just ends up like taking this unnecessary hitch and, and kind of tries to gather himself again and that's enough for the the pressure to be able to close in on him and and prevent him from getting the ball out and he ends up taking a sack and and you put yourself in a really you know third and long situation i think it was like third and 14 after that right so there there were moments where the timing wasn't quite there and you would like to see him get the ball out a little bit quicker and, and we saw that you know and in at various points throughout the game yeah but overall i still think that this is a quarterback that you you saw exactly what you thought you would see or at least what i thought we would see which is a quarterback that had some issues, wasn't seeing the field super well right away. But again, he hasn't played in over 500 days, you know, almost two calendar years. The last defense that he played had maybe like a penguin as a mascot in the middle of the field. And and you still see, though, the eye-popping talent and the ability to create in situations that the Niners haven't seen in quite a bit. I think overall, this is kind of an outcome that was, or not an outcome, but it's kind of what we would expect. And for me, that's like that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing at all. Um, and I still think that if it were me, I'd still start him. He's got to learn. He's got to play, and he's got to get those snaps in. Uh, and I hope that at some point he actually gets some like full-on starter reps. I'm still thinking that week six bye is going to be the the fulcrum to see what happens. Um, did you see that? Uh, I think someone from uh, someone was saying that the the Texans might be a trade partner for Jimmy Garoppolo. 
um, if this whole Deshaun Watson thing gets sorted and he gets traded maybe to the Eagles and and then they're in need of a of a of a quarterback and then maybe it goes to Houston. So all I'm saying is that it would be in the 49ers' best interest to entertain any offers from Houston because yeah. uh, those motherfuckers just giving shit away. Um, yeah, and, they really do. <laughs> so yeah, but yeah. The connection to Nick Casario and the whole thing. I mean, it, it is it is I think a really I'm I was excited about Trey Lance's debut. Still noting that there are some things there. Um, I think even in the red zone, right? Like he missed a, a hot read where he had the blitzer that was coming in and he really needed to throw hot and he didn't uh, and it cost the 49ers. It's like, those are the little things you just have to get used to. You have to learn. And the way that you learn is by playing, by getting experience. So yeah, I mean, I, I hope I you think get some it, more. It, the, we kind of saw everything like this performance. It was only what, like 20 something dropbacks that yeah. he had in this 20 game on the nose. Um, and and but you you got kind of everything in there like uh, the the little problems the bigger problems the the good things right the really good things and and the only thing that was really missing um and this is you know of course all him as a passer the missing stuff was the run game aspect that that we'll get to it at some point but um yeah i i i agree i think like he needs reps i mean i hope we we continue to see him out there for large chunks of of these preseason games and um and and, i mean yeah really he needs to be out there as a starter sooner than later love it love that but let's get to the other players all right let's talk about aaron banks really quickly aaron banks his fall plans starting garden week one uh how's how's he doing how's how's he doing david (laughs) my note for those, obviously, no one listening can see my notes that I've got here for for us to 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 use, but it's basically the face grimacing emoji. Delta got him. It got, <laughs> it, it, it got him. Those those fall plans. Uh, I'm I'm just saying that I would love to hear Greg Cosell's thoughts on Aaron Banks's Week One performance. You son of a bitch. Um, for those that uh, that don't remember, we were talking about. Uh, I think it was after the breakdown of, of uh, Aaron Banks because we said that he looked a little physically limited, not very strong. Um, was really a, not very uh, quick. I think, um, yeah, that he was really surviving on his technique, which was good, but but still, when he was going to be physically overmatched, what you know what would happen. And and I think Greg Cassell uh, just the, the very next week said that he looked very very fast, very physical, uh, and very athletic. Um, and look in, in the snaps that we saw in the preseason, Aaron Banks did not look fast or physical. He was not able to move players. It, honestly, a few times it looked like the defender was um, undisturbed <laughs> by having Aaron Banks somewhere near him. And unfortunately, on his one really good play where he absolutely bodies a linebacker. He hurt his shoulder. Yeah, which not great. I mean, obviously, no. Regardless, it goes without saying that like we we never wish that any player gets injured, and it's unfortunate that he's going to have to deal with that, and that's going to, you know, he's going to lose it time sucks. where he could be getting better, right? And exactly. he's going to miss that's those reps, and and he's going to be um, missing this this preseason action that would be valuable for him. And, and so, yeah, it's it's very unfortunate that he got hurt. But in terms of what we saw from him on the field prior to that happening. I, I think it matches up well with what we saw from him in college. And and yeah, like you mentioned, I think athletically very limited and, and he was beat in a, a variety of ways, right? It was both the strength stuff. You saw plays in the run game where he's getting stood up and, and just kind of like the defenders waiting for the back to get near and then he gets shed and, and his guys making the tackle. Um, and, and then you saw him, especially in pass protection, get beat with that speed, right? Get beat to the outside. Um, you know, there, there was a, a play where he basically goes to, to kind of punch the, the defensive tackle that he's trying to block there and his feet almost just like stop. And, and at that point, the defender just kind of swipes his arms away, bends around him and, and gets to the quarterback. And so you, you saw him lose again with that speed and also with strength. And, and I think that was the concern going in, right. Is like technique, especially like in the the zone game right in the in the run game is where he really shined in college but now going up against better athletes and in a better quality competition is that going to be enough to hold up right if if physically you just can't match up with these guys and and I think it was a big concern coming in and and there was nothing from this game to alleviate those concerns and frankly, this is going to be a concern for the 49ers because Aaron Banks was supposed to solve that problem. Um, it didn't look like he was even able to crack first team reps, and now he's injured, which is a problem. But you've got Colton McKivitz, 
Dan Brunskill, who both gave up sacks uh, at guards, both left and right guard. And then uh, Tom Compton, I believe, also given up sacks, whether it be at guard or tackle. So that right guard spot was supposed to have been solved when you spend a second round draft pick. And at this point, it is not solved. And that's going to be a problem for the 49ers, irrespective of who's under center, whether it be Jimmy Garoppolo or Trey Lance. But we move to Damador Lenoir, who, great, great name. He's like, he's he's probably in the all-name team. Like, second second team all-name team at this point. Did you get that first his, name right? I already forget how it's... Uh, Diamador. Diamador. I think, I'm pretty sure it's Diamador. Right. Pretty sure. But you know what? You can trust me when it comes to names. Uh, his fall plans. The 49ers viewed him as a nickel corner, but David and I uh, broke him down and thought we thought he'd look better on the outside because that's where he had his best reps as a sideline defender. And his fall plans, you know what? He probably got his shot. One of the vaccinated guys, he's escaping that delta because he played fairly well. Targeted four times. Only allowed one reception, had an INT, but honestly, his interception was probably his worst play. Yeah, uh, I, I think without question, in terms of the the times that he was targeted, the interception was his worst rep. I mean, he's and it's not like it was it was terrible by any means. I mean, it was a, a relatively short route. It was like second medium. It, it was a gift. And yeah, it, it absolutely You'd given up separation. Um, the throw was, you know, good enough. It was catchable and. Um, the receiver drops it and it pops up into his hands and, and, you know, look, you take advantage of those opportunities and he did. But when you look at the other targets, uh, I think, yeah, that was very much where he, he showed better coverage ability. I think especially he was targeted. Mostly there was one other like shorter route where he was kind of playing off, um, that he was targeted on, but, but it was targeted a lot on vertical routes and, and just did, I think overall a very good job. I mean, none of them were, accurate enough throws for him to be able to make a play on they were all kind of overthrown um but he was in good position on on pretty much all there was only one i would even say that that there was an opportunity where i think the the receiver maybe had the better positioning on it but even even that one was was pretty close so i think yeah he did a, a good job on the vertical stuff and that was exactly kind of the thing that we pegged with with him looking at his college tape that stood out that was kind of consistently good from um from him is is being able to kind of get on guys hips and and be in good position on these vertical routes up the sideline and uh yeah he he very much showed that in this one yeah and i think that the the way the niners played the game or called the game really played to his strengths because they played a lot of cover one a lot of man coverage and they played a lot of cover three and so he's going to be responsible for anything deep and vertical along that sideline I think I'd be interested to see what happens if they play a bit more varied coverages um, to see what what he's able to do in those in, in that regard. But at least as a, as a first game, as a fifth round pick, really, it's like okay, the Niners might have something here. Uh, he he might join, uh, you know, the the fifth round gems that the Niners love <laughs> to get. Uh, to be seen, you know, to be seen. Yeah. But it was a positive first game. Ambry Thomas, though, third round pick, his fall plans was that he was intended to be really the backup outside corner. He was going to provide that depth that the Niners didn't seem to want to go out and get in free agency or really anywhere. And uh, the, the you know, what, what, what did he get here in this game? Um, well, he got eaten up, my friend. Uh, he, got, he got hit with a lot of stuff. He, he allowed seven receptions on nine targets and three first downs. It was not a, a really good outing for Ambry Thomas. Yeah, he was he was definitely a bit more shaky and I think with with Thomas and his college tape, right? It was the the whole thing with him was it was mostly incomplete, right? It was just there were so few snaps and there were so few times that he was targeted at, at the college level that it was just tough to to really go on and know what was going to be his strengths. I, I think the one thing, and this was something that that I think was true of a lot of guys that we looked at in this defensive back class, but change of direction just wasn't wasn't quite there, right? Wasn't really a big strength. I think he was more of of kind of that press guy that that's able to do well on more kind of like we talked about with Lenoir, the the vertical routes up the sideline. Um, but yeah, I think he just kind of got eaten up in this one. It was a lot of back shoulder stuff, a lot of, um, stuff that kind of plays off it, like similar in terms of how he's defending it to the back shoulder, where it's, it's these kind of like outbreaking routes or, or these deeper, 
um, kind of hitch curl routes where, where the receiver is maybe facing up, but he's working back to the outside, back to the sideline, um, stuff like that, where he just couldn't throttle down, right? He's turning and he's running like he's thinking that he's getting the vertical route, but when that receiver goes to break down and cut it off, he can't match that and, and mirror that movement. And, and so he's given up a little space there. And I think that was largely what ate him up. He gave up, you know, a few receptions on some other stuff as well, but that was kind of the, the bulk of the targets that we saw at him that, that he really struggled with. And so, yeah, I, I think it wasn't, um, you know, with, with him, it's hard to say again, because of the limited stuff that we saw from him in college, like whether that really aligns with the prior, cause the prior was really shaky. Right. And, and so I think it's just not necessarily a, a great first impression, um, at the NFL level. Talanoa Hufanga, his fall plans. We thought he was a physically limited safety that, and and the Niners thought he might convert to linebacker. And really, in this game, he put some good things on tape. Two really good special teams tackles, which special teams, you know, we love to talk about. So that's all we'll say about special teams. But Talano Hufanga at least didn't look out of place. And you know what? He got a good lick on Tyreek Hill. <laughs> and and I give him, I give, it was early. It was very early. It might and as well you know, have been the previous play. It was so early. <laughs> that's. That was a good one, dude. I like that. That was a good one. But you know what? Make him feel your presence. Make him afraid to go over the middle. Let him know that you're there. You know the. Uh, you know he, he he he. His profile was an old school safety, and and you know what? He's another guy that was drafted, I think, in the fifth round. And and all you expect out of a fifth rounder is like you hope they can contribute on special teams. And I think at least early on, that's exactly what he's going to do. If he can provide any extra juice as an actual safety then, hey, you know what? That's good. Uh, but if all he is is a good special teams player, hey, man, there's a, there's a job for you in the NFL. Um, and he was a sure tackler in this game. When he got his hands on you, you were going down. Yeah, I, I think that was was certainly an encouraging part. Didn't have any missed tackles. Um, and, and yeah, I think his, his most positive plays were, again, stuff that was coming downhill. I think the, the best play that he made um, was he's, he was lined up as, as a deeper safety, kind of rotates down. Uh, into that kind of robber area in the middle of the field. And it's a third down throw in front of him. And he's able to kind of close uh, I, funny enough to Ambry Thomas was the one Ambry that gave Thomas. up the initial separation on that and a lot of the catch. <laughs> um, but, but you see Funga come in and, and come downhill and make the tackle and keep him short of, of the first down marker. And so, yeah, it's stuff like that. And that was kind of the area, right? That was why we, we were thinking more, linebacker um because it didn't show a lot of great stuff when he was asked to to play that deeper coverage most of his positive plays were were things where he is coming downhill more close to the line of scrimmage and and so far yeah that was true but i think the fact that you know uh at least he was a, a sure tackler and and was able to not make any big mistakes in that area if you can you know, limit his role and you don't put him in those situations where he's asked to be a deeper coverage player very often, or he's not asked to match, um, you know, on, on guys in the slot and, and really man them up too much. Then, you know, then we, we might be able to see some positive things from him. Before we move on to our last two players, I want to, I want to go back to Damodar Lenoir for a second, because there was another fifth round pick out of the university of Texas, uh, named Terrell Brown. Terrell Brown, who was eligible for the Hall of Fame in 2020. Just saying. Uh, Terrell Brown, who had an illustrious career uh, with the San Francisco 49ers from 2007 to 2013. He was also a, 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 a corner that was, you know, a measly 5'11", 190 pounds. Lenoir comes in, 5'11", 195 pounds. They both wear numbers in the 20s. All I'm saying is maybe the Niners have hit another value pick. Like Terrell Brown, another in future Hall of Fame snub. That's what I'm hearing I, I, here. All, all I'm saying is, look, he's eligible. He could be getting votes. Could he? Somebody talk to me. Could, Some somebody talk to me, Yoko. Could he be getting somebody, votes? He just needs someone to stump for him. Uh, you know, anyone that goes from Texas to the 49ers. Did he even make is, a Pro Bowl? Like, <laughs> no, of course he didn't. He was he was a solid corner on oh, a defense God. for Vic Fangio that gets the best out of the talent he plays in the secondary. Yeah, that's what he I mean. I, mean I could have seen like, you know, because it, it's always what happens uh, from a Pro Bowl standpoint, right, is like 
the whoever ends up you know the, the best teams get like absurd numbers of players and like players that don't even really yeah. belong and so i thought maybe you know who knows if he snuck one in no. there but i uh i don't believe that he did but he does have 11 interceptions and one touchdown in his career is all i'm saying uh so let's get to the last two players here one jared maiden not a rookie and not someone that we broke down way back when, but someone who I thought actually had a pretty good game. He was signed as an undrafted free agent from Alabama in 2020. He popped up on film when we were actually doing uh, the breakdown for Jawan Jennings because Jawan Jennings caught a slant on Jared Maiden when he was playing safety at Alabama. But he was act- He was on the practice squad last year, active for two games, week seven against New England, week 10 against New Orleans, only played special teams. But I think overall, when, when the Niners are playing, you know, with an in-the-box safety, which is basically what Jared Maiden was, he had two tackles. Both were stops, was generally in the right spot, uh, and honestly had a dope-ass seven number in the defensive backfield, which is weird to see, but also kind of neat. Looked a bit like college, but hey, whatevs. Um, but yeah, he's someone who, certainly not prognosticating that he's going to make the team or anything, but someone I'm probably going to keep watching through the preseason, because he had a good game uh, here, I think, uh, against the, the Chiefs, but... Last player, Jawan Jennings. His fall plans, well, they were sidelined. Back when he was originally uh, drafted in the seventh round, he got one of those phantom injuries and he had a redshirt year. But we thought when he was drafted that he could be a big slot that even though he had limited physical tools, he had savvy run after the catchability and had fantastic contact balance. Um, And ultimately, we wanted to see more because we thought he could make the roster. David, how did he play against the Chiefs? I mean, he was he was all right, right? I I think like yeah, he just had a, a the couple of targets, and it was the um you know just tunnel screen the, city, the my screens, friend. Yeah, was was really what they were trying to get, which I think makes sense, right? Like that was uh again Ball like you hands. mentioned, yeah, what what he did very well when he was at Tennessee, and that was was run after the catch, you know, and and so um I think that's obviously a mold that they've been looking for, a trait that they've been looking for at that receiver position, and and they want guys that can create additional yardage once they have the ball in their hands, uh, because we, we know that they're going to get a lot of throws that are more in the under underneath and inter, intermediate areas. And, and so they want guys that can turn those into bigger plays. And I think, yeah, we saw him, I mean, he didn't do anything too crazy, right? It was just, you know, those couple I mean, screens and, and he, he was a Josh Rosen's death knell, you know, he caught a pass from Josh <laughs> Rosen, Josh Rosen gets cut. You know, all I'm saying is, was that Josh Rosen's, or was it maybe the uh, the interception that he threw where he sailed it fucking 10 yards over, over everyone? Yeah. <laughs> uh, threw it to, I don't know, was it Travis Benjamin? Like he was fucking throwing it to Calvin Johnson or something? Look, all Josh Rosen needs is a chance. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's talent in there. Future starter. How did he not go number one overall? I don't know. I don't ne- know, I'll man. Never know. I don't. I don't know. But yeah, Jawan Jennings is someone who I'm excited to see more of because I I do think that Jalen Hurd missed another practice this week. You know, he had like his best practice of the of training camp where he actually did something in the you know kind of move the ball series or eleven on eleven, and then he was out again rehabbing on the side of the field. I just I do not see. I don't see Jalen Hurd making the roster at this point. I forgot all that he need- Hurd was even still there until you just mentioned All he him. needed to do was stay healthy. Like, legit. I think all the team wanted was for him to stay healthy, and yeah. he couldn't do that. And then they called him out. Here's, so the team always does something. The, the team, I think, will bucket your injury as a player as, like, injury we think is legit and injury we think you should play through. And injuries the team thinks are legit, like they generally don't talk about, they never put you on blast, they never talk about it to reporters. But there are some times where Shanahan will specifically mention you as a player being injured in the press and like kind of snide remark and be like, you know, we like we like we hope we really hope guys can work through stuff like that. You know, like it's something like that in that vein. And that's, I think, what they did with Jalen Hurd. I think Jalen Hurd probably has a clean bill of health from the doctors, but he comes back and he says, my knee hurts. And so no team is going to say like you have to play. But I think the team is like waiting for him to muscle it out. And he keeps working on the side. And so I think, I don't know that, that the 49ers are long from a dude Jalen Hurd is all I'm saying. And if the Niners are looking for a big slot, I think the guy that are going to end up going with may be Juwan Jennings. Because he can do, he's not as fast or explosive as Jalen Hurd. Certainly not. His physical profile does not match that. But he is savvy with the ball in his hands. 
The Niners are trying to get film on him. They're trying to get him in space. They're, they're giving up, giving up opportunities. And they gave him some press availability too, uh, I think a couple days ago as well. So I think he's, uh, he's climbing the charts. Maybe he sneaks one of those spots at the end of the roster. Right. I, I mean, I think it's it's wide open, right? After Samuel and and Ayuk, then it's it's anyone that can Muhammad snag Sanu. those those reps, right? Like those those spots, I think, are fully up for grabs. And so, um, and we're not really seeing. It's not like you know Richie James um, didn't play poor or didn't play well in this game. Like he had the drop and and just like didn't really do too much. And so. You know, I, I don't think we've really seen a ton from him as a receiver. And, and so, yeah, I think like it's it's wide open. And, and so if they're looking for a bigger presence um, to come in and and play in the slot a little bit and, and do that, like and do again, the things after the catch, Jennings absolutely could end up filling that role. Yeah, I've got a I've got a hall of like, uh, like not a hall of fame, not a hall of love, but like a hall of like of just irrational. Is that below that the, the hall of good? So like the Hall um, of Fame. Yeah, because you don't need to be good in order to be in my Hall of Like. All right. Like, for example, Arnaz Battle in my Hall of Like. <laughs> Just because his name is Arnaz Battle. Like, I will never, ever forget that. I could have Alzheimer's when I'm 50. And the only thing that I will mutter is Arnaz Battle repeatedly. I don't know why. It's just, it's just, it's there. It's in my brain. Your daughter never comes to see out. you and you're just like. If I have another kid, that Arnaz? kid's name might be Arnaz Battle. Like, that's what I'm saying. I just, I just, whatever, for whatever reason, I just like that player. It, you know, it just, it just hit the right way. Right. Uh, Juwan Jennings isn't quite in the hall of like, but he's climbing the charts. Um, everyone in Tennessee loves him. He went to college in Tennessee and, uh, I, I was actually, I was on a radio station in Tennessee because their favorite player is Juwan Jennings. Like he just has such an amazing fan base in Tennessee. He caught a Hail Mary at the end of a game that like, you know, they, they wanted it just, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's wild, but he's, he's climbing into the hall of like is all I'm saying. <laughs> all right. Well, that's, uh, that's, you know, that was, uh, my fall plans, the Delta variant, you know, I figured let's, <laughs> let's spice it up. Let's hit the memes, you know, do as the kids do. I'm not wearing new balances. Don't talk Hello, to me. Hello fellow kids. Um, <laughs> I can see his face. <laughs> It's so great. That's such a great meme. All right. Let's get to the back half of the episode, which is all about Shanahan's shot plays because it is ski month. We've got this is the final episode of ski month because we're going to start talking about actual preseason football stuff over the rest of August. And then it is the actual regular season. So this is the last bit of ski month we're going to give you. And we thought, especially after Trey Lance hit that big, really it was a shot play from Shanahan, that 80-yarder, that play-action pass. We thought we would take a look at Shanahan's shot plays and give you exactly what Shanahan loves to do when he decides that he's going to take a shot deep and try to get a score or a deep pass. And so we've bucketed plays into a couple big buckets. We're going to talk about what those are. We're going to talk about what some of his favorite concepts are and how to help you identify them. Uh, And let's get to the first bucket. And it's a pretty big bucket because it's basically what Shanahan loves to do and that's going to be the play action slash misdirection bucket. And and just to kind of caveat up front in, in terms of the plays that we're looking at, because um, obviously if, if it's a, a play that they have designed as a shot play that they want to be able to hit deep, like that's Shanahan's thought process when he's calling it and, and he never gets a chance to throw it deep, right? Whether uh, the, the quarterback gets sacked or whether that's it's covered and he ends up checking it down, like wh- whatever the reason may be, um, you know, we, we didn't look at it, everything. And, and so, and, and identify plays where it's like, okay, it looked like they wanted to go deep here and, and just couldn't for some reason. So we, we kind of focused in on what were the plays where they actually made an attempt at a, at a deep throw, a 20 plus yard throw in the air. And yeah, I, I think, absolutely should come as no surprise that the primary way they look to create those kind of chunk yardage plays through the air is, is with that play action. And and so everything that they kind of do um, builds off of their run game. Right. And so they have obviously the, all the zone stuff, and then there's all of the play action that comes off of that. And they have a number of different ways that they look to kind of hit 
uh, the, the the deep shot plays off of that, right? And I think we we saw one of them in this preseason game with with Lance and in the deep throw that he had and, and kind of hitting that deep post. And and that's I think a big thing that they like to do, right? Is is you get basically like the most basic way that they'll do it is is send one guy on a deep post and then you'll get kind of a an, a crossing route that's coming underneath that a little bit and you create this high low situation in the middle of the field and, and that's really what we had on on the Trey Lance play here, right? And so um that's kind of I think the the most fundamental way that they will initially look to take those deep shots. Um but there there are a number of different variations that they'll go to out of play action. Yeah, one of my favorite ones is the the mills or pin concept where you're still targeting a post downfield and you don't necessarily need to have a bunch of receivers out in the route, but really this concept is defined by having a kind of an underneath hitch that really is meant to hold the safety and then a post that goes behind it. And so when you're able to hold one of the safeties down with that kind of hitch or sometimes it's an in-breaking route or a dig, which Shanahan loves to run, and they run that post behind it, you're trying to free that post route, which is the area that Shanahan loves to attack if he's going to take a shot and it's going to be in the middle of the field, whether that is like a corner post or a straight up post um, or really a, a route that kind of like is really a vertical, but it just kind of runs diagonally and ends up near the middle of the field. This is the area that he loves to attack and he's got lots of different ways to get there, whether it be like the Trey Lance shot play or whether it be like something like Mills, which is specifically identifying a safety that he's attacking and trying to freeze, this is the area of the field that he wants to get the ball to. Right, and then from that, they have, you know, kind of as you add layers into this play-action game, you have things like their their leak concept, right, which is is going to be uh, look a lot like one of their, their normal kind of bootleg play action uh concepts but then you're gonna essentially leak usually a tight end but he'll put any number of of players in in this position um marquise goodwin caught a touchdown off of this concept against the Bengals a few years back um and and so basically this player is going to kind of run along the the offensive line and and leak out the opposite direction that everybody else is is moving so if you see the quarterback kind of booting out to his left it's going to be a guy that's leaking out to the right side and it's just it's very difficult for the the defense to be able to keep track of this guy and and you just see so many attempts where where it's just uh, a player running all by himself on the opposite side of the field and and so that's definitely going to be something that they like to do and then they also like to get of course i mean jimmy garoppolo's favorite deep target might be juice like Oh yeah, Kyle Juszczyk. Yeah, absolutely. My, my operating theory, my operating theory is that because Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't necessarily have a cannon, and Juszczyk isn't really fast, those two things align. They're in sync. <laughs> They're kismet, right? He can't throw it very far. Juice doesn't run very. He can't far. run very fast, and so and so yeah, and so ultimately, you know, it's perfect. It's a match made in heaven. It works out because he's completed pass after pass after pass to Kyle Juszczyk on seemingly the same concept, which is read rail. Right. And and this is a, a concept that they can get to from a number of, of different looks. But yeah, something that they've gone to frequently is is basically where you get kind of a, a single receiver off to one side, right? And he's going to run this read route, which is is something that we, if you go back into to previous scheme months, we've talked about uh, this route extensively and all the kind of the variations that they have off of this. But but basically, it's it's going to be you know a kind of a deep route where the receiver has a, a couple of options um, to either go vertically or kind of hitch it up around that eighteen to twenty yard range, um, depending on what the defense is doing. But but he's going to take it more inside, right? More in the the seam area between the hash and the numbers and then the rail part of it is a receiver it's essentially like a a, it's almost like a wheel route right it's just somebody kind of replacing that outside path and getting up outside the numbers up the sideline and they've done this a lot with juice where where basically he goes through the line of scrimmage like he's going to block as part of selling the play action but then when he gets to that linebacker, rather than hit him, he just kind of gets around him, right, and and goes up the the field. And um, it's again, it's very difficult for linebackers to pick this up because they think they're about to get hit, right? They're about to get blocked in this play action scheme, and 
suddenly he's not there anymore, right? He's running by him. And so, um, and it's honestly been probably one of their most successful plays. Like they've probably completed, like actually connected on deep routes uh, on this concept more frequently than just about anything else. And honestly, it's a play that you've seen almost every, like you, you see this almost every week, whether it be in college or in the pros, because so many teams run it. Justin Fields connected on his long touchdown on leak. You see this in high school all the time. This is something that Shanahan's been running for a very, very long time. And it's proliferated around the NFL in lots of places. So read rail is his preferred one, but he's also got a stock rail too. I mean, you're talking about the, the juice kind of running that rail route where there's what, where there is also a play where he actually fakes like he's stock blocking and then runs the rail route. Um, and, and so, I mean, he's got lots of different variations of it that makes it look like someone's going to get blocked, but ends up just ending in a long completion to juice, um, or an overthrow to juice, which we've seen or an overthrow <laughs> to George Kittle, which we've seen or an overthrow to Marquise Goodwin, which we've seen. Um, you know, we looked at a lot of these overthrows overthrow to, yeah, any other player that's played receiver for them in the last four years. But anyway, it's neither here the, nor the there. next big, the next big bucket is going to be. Really something I didn't know that we would necessarily see from Shanahan, but I thought it was really, really interesting that he loves to target the slot. And, and so if one big bucket of his shot plays are going to be kind of the ones you feel are a bit more obvious, where it's play action, there's two receivers, they maybe are in a condensed split, or you've got some misdirection with like a leak play or a stock rail or something like that. Well, he also has a big package of plays where he's targeting the slot on deep throws down the middle of the field. And there are a couple of really interesting concepts in that package. Right. And, and so we, we focused mostly on plays where Jimmy Garoppolo was a quarterback, right? Because I, I think that's obviously um, more relevant to what we might see going forward, considering he's the only quarterback still on the roster that's been there in the last few years. Um, and, and it just, yeah, didn't, I, I think make a lot of sense to go look at, at a lot of Nick Mullen stuff and CJ Beathard because you're, you're not likely going to be working with your full complement of plays. And so when, when they went away from play action, right. And, and we did focus more on early down plays, right. So you don't want to really look at a lot of, uh, third down plays with, I, I feel like shot plays, right? Because at that point, it's more the down and distance that's dictating that you need to throw it deep as opposed to it being something intentional early down, right? First, second down where, where they want to, to try to create a chunk play. So that's kind of the area that we wanted to focus on. And so when they, they didn't go the play action route, most of the time they're targeting the slot. And, and so uh, I thought it was kind of interesting as we, we were looking into this and, and that Jimmy Garoppolo in the time that he's been with the 49ers hasn't actually completed a single deep throw. Again, that's 20 plus yards in the air to a receiver who was aligned outside um, on a vertical route. So a, a guy that's just out wide, aligned at the numbers or wider and, and running vertically up the sideline only attempted even a few of them, but basically every single one of them was was overthrown and, and has yet to complete them. So they do like to keep things more in the middle of the field and, and you get plays that are designed to to try to uh, get the slot open. And, and so one of the, the most common ways that they do that is they like to motion to empty. So they'll start, you know, in, in kind of whatever formation, but a lot of times they're going to motion the back out and get to an empty look and, and a lot of times you, you're getting your lesser receivers on the outside, right? Because we know that they're not really going to be the primary target. So you motion the back out wide. You, you maybe put another tight end or something like that wide to the other side. And then you're really trying to get your receivers matched up in the slot on either a, you know, a vertical route or a corner or whatever it may be. But that's kind of the way when, when you're not using play action that you see them most commonly look to create some of these deeper throws. And so you've got the motion empty. They set up their shot plays. They like to go to the seams. But you've also got a lot of vertical routes that are coming from the slot. And one of the plays that we saw, especially early in 20, I think this was in 2017, was a, yep. effectively a shot play to Carlos Hyde, of all people. Where you've you've got Carlos Hyde aligned basically in a tight end position where he just motions out into, you know, kind of that, that just outside of the, the offensive line area. 
And the Niners run a, a Haas concept, which is, you know, hitches outside and then seams. And so you've got the kind of inside receivers or slot receivers running seams, outside receivers running hitches. And then Carlos has just running in the middle of the field, just free. Right down the middle. Running like all, all holy get out. And, and ultimately it's an overthrow because... It is Jimmy Garoppolo. Oh, no, after it was, all. This was on Hyde. This was it oh, was it was a good throw. Um, but the the lesson here is you don't throw vertical routes to running backs because they're fucking running backs. And I haven't seen like we've seen the Haas concept since, especially with Garoppolo in twenty seventeen, but we haven't seen that specific play. Um and at least I hope in the plays that we've lesson. Seen. We should never see that shit again. Come on, you want? Let's see a run to like uh, I don't know either juice because yeah, you especially Garoppolo's going to play. Fucking running up the field, and no, trying to hit no, him no, on no. Like a forty yarder, like come on, get that shit out of here. You have no. I'm guys talking about Ross Dwelly, like hit Ross Dwelly. Oh, oh shit, my bad. I forgot about Ross fucking <laughs> Dwelly, the guy who a couple years ago we couldn't tell if he was an actual NFL player or a fucking Harry Potter character. Yeah, let's that get let's actually, design plays for Ross Dwelly on vertical. I love routes. that that was a game that we played, Fuck and it here. worked. For I got you on a couple. I I did get you on a couple. I love that we played that game. I'm all here for it. Um, it was amazing. But yeah, um, so targeting the slot, uh, to play to players like Carlos Hyde, um, but then he's also got a lot of seam or stick nod concepts. And these are concepts where he's targeting more receivers that actually are good at catching the football. Yeah, and and so just to kind of, uh, I guess, talk a little bit about the difference in, in when we're talking about vertical routes from the slot or what I would call vertical routes from the slot and, and more of these seams or stick nods, the, the, the type of throw is different, right? So um, what, what I'm thinking of when we're talking about these vertical routes from the slot is they're really bending it more outside. So usually you're getting some set of some sort of shorter route underneath to try to hopefully like hold the corner. And then the the slot receivers that are starting inside are really widening their routes and you're looking to throw it, you know, deep down the field. It's it's looking to be over the top. There's some air under the throw. It's it's thrown more toward the numbers or outside the numbers. Um and, and so it's it's really just getting uh, a slot player to get to a, a spot that you would typically see an outside receiver get to on a vertical route. The seams, and, and this is true with the stick nods as well, which is stick nod is kind of just a, a double move from an inside player, right? Usually a tight end where they fake, you know, like they're going to break it to an out and, and then they run up the seam. But the seam throw is something that's more on a line and you're usually getting it kind of in that 15 to 25 yard area. So you're not really getting a lot of air under it. Um, you're usually looking to fit it in between defenders. And and so there's a little bit more zip on the ball. And so that's kind of the other type of thing that they'll do uh, with, with these guys. And that's something that they do, especially with Kittle um, in, in situations where they get juice lined up as a tight end, they'll, they'll get him on that. But that, it's usually that type of player that they'll run up the seam and and get some of those throws too. And then finally, the the last thing that you'll see from them uh, for guys that are aligned more in the slot or at least condensed to the formation are going to be on on the deep corner route. So um, a lot of throws that that Jimmy has that are targeted wide to the field outside the numbers are on these corner routes from somebody that's aligned initially tight to the formation. Um, and, and so they'll, again, do this from slot receivers, tight ends. The If you think about um, back to the Super Bowl, you may not want to think about this, but the, the Kittle um, you know, throw that he had down the right side uh, that, that was ultimately called back, um, that is, is a great example right, of, of a deep throw that they had where they're getting somebody who's initially aligned tight to the formation on a corner route. And then they usually like will leak the back out to that side or they, they get some sort of, you know, smash concept, um, you know, tied up with it where they have an underneath guy as well to, to try to hold the defender. But that's that's the other route that you'll see a lot from them. Yeah, I think overall, when, when you look at the types of plays that Shanahan will dial up when he knows he wants to get a big chunk, when we're talking about early down stuff, it really is two big buckets, right? You've got play action misdirection plays, um, which are usually limited in the number of receivers they have out in the route. Um, it really is just like you're going to hit either an intermediate guy or a deep guy, or this is going to be a throwaway. 
Like, and, and oftentimes what happens is one of those guys is pretty wide open. Like that, that's the surprising thing is that it works a lot of the time. And, and when those passes are incomplete, it's because of execution issues. It's because the quarterback underthrew, overthrew, whatever, or someone missed a block. Um, but it's not because Shanahan's not dialing it up at the right time. Like those plays are there. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, so many of those those throws, especially the intermediate area, I mean, they don't always get the chance. You think back to the play action stuff where we're talking about the deep post and kind of the crossing route underneath it. You know, the, the post isn't always there. A lot of times the safety is going to be on that. And, and because he's more of a pass first uh, defender, he's not really going to be, you know, hopefully um, from the defense's perspective, sucked up too much from that play action. And and so you don't always get the opportunity to be able to hit that deep one. But yeah, that that intermediate crossing route is just so tough to defend off play action. And so uh, it, it absolutely makes sense that that's kind of where they build the bulk of their shot plays from. Um, I'm interested to see in, in terms of the other bucket, right? Like focusing mostly on the slot, really trying to hit guys that are more in between the numbers and, and in the middle of the field. If that's a a Jimmy Garoppolo thing or if that's a Shanahan thing, right? Is, is this something that he's decided to lean heavily this direction because he doesn't believe that Jimmy can make those throws outside the numbers to the outside receivers? Um, or is it just the way that he prefers to attack defenses, right? So I think once we see Lance get out there and, and if we continue to see them focus mostly on the slot, focus mostly on the middle of the field, we'll, we'll know kind of, all right, this is just how Shanahan wants to do it. It doesn't matter kind of how talented the arm of, of his quarterback is. Like, that's just how he's going to do it. Or it, it would kind of, I think, signal this is something he felt like was a deficiency in Jimmy's game that that he just couldn't dial up very frequently. I really do think it's the latter. I mean, I think you've got such an interesting control case in the 2016 Falcons. And when you look at the heat map of the passes that, that Matt Ryan was completing, you'd see much more distribution out to the sideline and out to those areas of the field. And when you look at the, the playbook from 2016, you see things like blaze outs. You see things like those really like long, like sideline shots that you can do when you have, you know, Julio Jones. But the Niners also have, you know, they've run blaze outs, um, which is is a route that looks like it's kind of an in-breaking route, um, but it really just kind of comes back out to the sideline. And, and it is something that the Niners have tried to run with Marquise Goodwin. They've tried to run it earlier in Shanahan's tenure. And I think over time, he's moved away from that, knowing that his quarterback is not super good at that. So I, I do think it's the latter. And I do think that that's one of the reasons why he's excited to have Trey Lance, who can complete passes that are out routes to the sticks, you know, cross hash, which we saw him do this preseason. Uh, and so I, if I had to put my money somewhere, I do think it's the latter. Yeah, I, I, I kind of lean that direction as well. But yeah, I, I, I hope to see more of that stuff because it just opens up you know, the, the more areas of the field you can attack, um, the more dangerous your offense is going to be. And, and, you know, he goes after the middle field a lot, and that's not going to change because there there's a really good reason why he does that, especially on the play action stuff, because it, it, it is you have worse coverage defenders there. It's easier to create space sometimes there. Um, but but absolutely, if if defenses don't have to worry about throws outside the numbers, like that just shrinks the field that they have to defend. Right. And, and so the more areas that you can attack, the better off you're going to be. Well, that does it for this week's edition of the better rivals podcast. We will be back next week to talk about some more of the preseason football game. We'll break down some more players and some more schemes. Maybe we'll get some more uh, kind of uh, less vanilla things from D'Amico Ryan's. Maybe we'll get a better picture of what he is playing like. Or maybe he is really just like a single high cover three, cover one guy, which would be surprising. Mm, uh, I, don't, yeah, I, don't, I don't think that's no, it. I don't think so. Uh, I don't think that's it. Uh, but we're also going to have some videos on the Patreon. Uh, we were going to do a, a scheme month video, this, but I think it'd be better to do just maybe some more uh, trailing stuff. So I think we're going to do another trailing video for, Let's do uh, it. for the Patreon. Love, um, and, love looking uh, quarterbacks. You, Follow me on the Twitters at Better Rivals. David, tell them about the Patreon. Patreon.com slash Better Rivals. Um, again, we're going to have, we already have a scheme month episode up 
on the first episode that we did uh, talking about QB run game and, and looking at some of the different things that Trey Lance did when he was at North Dakota State, some of the things that uh, Shanahan has, has tried to do uh, and mix in here and there, even though he hasn't really had quarterbacks that fit that style. Um, you know, again, going to continue to have stuff up this month. And then once we get into the regular season, um, I think we'll be in a pretty regular cadence where you're going to be seeing plays that we thought were interesting, you know, things that, that, that were important that happened during the game where we can actually break that stuff down with video and, and make it a little bit easier to digest. Um, and, and so, yeah, check that out. Buy us a beer again, patreon.com slash better rivals. Thanks again for tuning in. And as always, Go Niners.